You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 40, Cultivating Your Village series, part five. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys. So I wanted to jump into this before we get into the show. I now officially have my email subscription up. And so if you enter in your email, you will actually get emails from me. And so you may be thinking, why do I want to give you my email? I get so many emails to begin with. Um, One of the things that I really love about subscribing to podcasts that I really enjoy is that sometimes with life, it gets so busy and I actually forget that their episodes are airing or maybe they take a break and then I don't know when they're coming back. And I see an email pop up and I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. And sometimes it's easier to see on an email what they're going to be talking about. And then it gets you excited to check out that episode. So for me, I really enjoy it. And that's what I will be doing. I will be sending out every week the new episode. Um, It's just as a reminder, it's also visual. And so some people do better with that, you know, just seeing someone's um, imagery um, in my email and then their show notes. And then also just having all the links pop up in your email, uh, if if it be social media links or the guest's website or anything that we're recommending will be all right there. You don't have to remember to go to my website because I know a lot of people are listening to the podcast while driving. So it's hard to remember. Oh, yeah. So I want to go back to this website to check out this link that she was saying. So this way it will just be in your email. You can go back and click on it easily. So welcome back to Cultivating Your Village. Today is part five, and we will be discussing on this episode, what is it that motivates us in our desire to feel connected to those around us? Do you guys ever feel lonely, especially when you have been on media of some sort for too long? Are you finding yourself exhausted? Could it be that you're spending too much time online and it's leaving you lonely and tired? Um, we, when we talk about um, this episode, we're talking about how the online world affects us as individuals. And there's something that's called the YouTube vortex. And uh, the younger generation right now, they're not really watching the conventional TV as much as say Gen X or even um, baby boomers. They're watching things that are more online, you know, like YouTube or whatever. And they call it the YouTube vortex because you totally get sucked into it. It's like you thought you were only going to watch a 15 minute video. And then two and a half hours later, you realize you've been just sucked in. So we find that's really interesting with how that is playing a role in our relationship. So, you know, it's too easy to get stuck online and it's leaving you exhausted because you're not having enough time to do what you really want to do or need to do. So this is kind of what we dive into and how that plays a role with our relationships, our health, and just everything. And, you know, a lot of people kind of feel like they're connected today because of the World Wide Web. But really, I think a lot of people are lonely because of it. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope it kind of inspires you to think a little bit of how much time you're spending online and how that plays a role in your lives and within your family and your friendships. Let's go to the show. Melissa, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Ooh, looking forward to this one. Okay, you guys. So we're here talking about cultivating your village and this is part five. And we're going to discuss what are our motivations in cultivating our village? 
Right, Amber, what is it that motivates us in our desire to feel connected to those people who are around us? So recently there was a fabulous article in Good Housekeeping Magazine, and I remember opening up this article and reading it and just thinking, wow, this writer really understood what she was talking about. And what resonated with me is she was a transplant. She had to move for a job. Uh, I believe that her husband was working uh, at a new position and they had to change cities. So she knew nobody. There was not a single soul around her that she had felt connected with. And she was basically starting from scratch. So it's one thing when you realize you've put yourself in a, a position of life or in a season of life where maybe you have neglected relationships around you. Uh, or you failed to to nurture uh, the, your own personal needs or understanding the needs of others, it's a completely different thing to be isolated and starting from scratch. So there were some really interesting points that came out in this article, and they say statistically one in five Americans, which is roughly 60 million people, suffer from Loneliness. That's a, a neuroscientist from the University of Chicago, and they researched the impact of social and community structures on our behavior and our health, our mental health, our physical health, health as an overall uh, encompassing thing. According to a study in an American sociological review, a full quarter of adults in the U.S. now feel that they don't have a single friend or a family member they consider close enough to turn to with a personal problem. That's a lot of people without a person that they can go to when they're going through crisis. Remember we talked about crisis in our last episode? Yep. Crisis could be anything that affects you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, or physically. Wow. And, and a crisis is yeah. is a, it's different to different people. Sure. It's yep. on different levels. Right. So you're saying the one in five are saying that they don't have this. A full, a one in four. One, one in, four. in four. A full quarter of adults wow. living in the U.S. Isn't that crazy? And when oh, family yeah. members are not counted, the number doubles, suggesting that half of all Americans have absolutely no one to confide in at all. Wow. One in four Americans live alone, and modern lifestyles compound the problem because we're exhausted. So one out of four people live alone. One out of four Americans, American adults, live alone. And what do you think they're saying the modern lifestyle compounds the problem? Are you, like the technology and all that kind of stuff? We're exhausted. We are stretching ourselves beyond our limits because we don't understand what our boundaries are. Yep. And we're consuming so oh, yeah. much. Consuming, yes. And we can't handle it. Yeah. We can't process it. Well, it's it's almost like sometimes, you know, you, you think about it, like, were we ever intended to have this much information? Probably not. No. Because it's like people stay up, right, late at night because they're on the computer, right? They're just, you know, there's just so much that you could possibly either watch, right? You have Netflix, Hulu, on demand. I mean, it, it, like, it's overload, right? Yes. And so you could just... You could just end up consuming so much. And I'm just talking about when I say consuming, just like information, you know, if that's TV or not or YouTube or whatever, just consuming all the stuff that ends up making you isolated, right? Because you're usually doing that by yourself. Um, I mean, you may you may watch it with your spouse or, you know, shows and stuff like that. But a lot of times if you're researching stuff or just looking stuff up on the Internet, I mean, an hour could go by and you just like wasted all that time. And if you look back, would you meant you probably be like, I, I don't even realize it happened. And I don't know if I would spend my time like that again if it happened. So I can see why people are feeling, you know, 
alone and lonely and lonely yes. and exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have so much information, but I don't know how to process it. Yeah. I've, I've learned all these things, but I don't know how to apply them to my life. I don't know how to make the changes that all these other people are saying that I need to change. Have you ever heard of the YouTube vortex? No. And it's it's the saying that they have that you go onto YouTube and that's how like the millennials are really getting right. stuck on YouTube. They're not consuming yeah. television right. anymore. Yeah. Like we They're consuming about. online. Mm-hmm. And so they go into what's called the YouTube vortex. Yeah. And it happens because they start watching one video. Right. And then and the based next on, one comes. Yeah. Right. Based on what they're watching, an entire library will come oh, up yeah. on the scroll bar mm-hmm. of all these other videos. They can and be next, similar or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're all related to whatever content they were consuming in that moment. Yeah. And so what you think you're watching a 15 minute video and then two and a half hours go by. Yeah. And you're like, how did I get sucked into this vortex? Yeah. How do I get out? Well, and honestly, Netflix is like that too, right? You have like, what, how many seconds to decide if you're going to watch the next one? Is it, it, how many seconds is it? It counts down. It gives you an ad and it'll count down like five seconds to skip the ad. But that's it. That's the time that you get it. It'll automatically go to a new video. Well, you know how though it counts down to the next episode. Yeah, but that's if you're on watching a social on social media like a Netflix, but oh. not on YouTube. No, it They'll just comes jump. up. They'll yeah, but jump. that's what I'm saying. Even with Netflix, if you're just like, oh, I'm just going to... So you like Gilmore Girls. So if you're watching one, right, it's so tempting to go into the next one. Right. And then like next thing you know, you've watched three. That's why people binge right. watch these things. So even if you do like Netflix versus YouTube, it's just... It's so easy right. to consume it. it we consume yeah. it and then we lose all perspective and concept of time. Right. Yeah. And we don't understand why we don't have time to do all the things that have to be done versus all the things that we want done. Right. Or not even things that want you want to get done. You're wondering why you're not hanging out with anyone. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just spent two and a half hours on YouTube. <laughs> So there's Dr. Emma Sapala. She's a science director at Stanford University, and she's the author of a really great book called The Happiness Track. And she believes that technology plays a role in loneliness. And she states, people may be substituting online interactions for real world interactions. Low social connection carries a risk of early death similar to that of smoking. Loneliness activates the stress response system in the body, and as a result, we tend to not sleep well, so our brains and our bodies don't detoxify and repair properly, and loneliness also increases the risk of high blood pressure and stroke. Wow. That is really crazy. I mean, you would never think that loneliness would cause all that stuff. Right. And I think loneliness goes back into we fall into the trap of feeding into our emotions. And so what happens when we feed into our emotions and we experience those negative emotions? We have anger. We have sadness. We have anxiety. We have those emotions that drive us to having physical ailments that really bring us down. Yeah, I can see that. Right. And so people are getting sicker and they're not taking care of themselves and they just don't know how. So we consume, we consume, we consume. And then we're left at the end going, I don't know what to do with the mess that I've created. So we have to look at what our motivation is in cultivating the village around us. So do we harbor a desire for others to like us? Do we want other people to trust us, to envy us, to emulate us? Or do we recognize that a basic human need was born into each and every one of us for relationship? 
So what drives us, what motivates us to gather a community and be part of a village is our desire for connectedness. We were absolutely built for relationship. We know this. God's greatest gift to us was that of a relationship. Right. Right? Yeah. Yep. And so if if we are made in the likeness of his image, then we are created for relationship as well yeah. and for the connectedness of that village. The greatest evidence would be that. It's the truth that God knew the only way to save us from ourselves was to send his son at any cost. And he sent it to he sent Christ to us at the greatest cost, right? And he came so that we can have that relationship. What's key for us to understand is God, I believe that God desires to save us from ourselves. And the reason is because we get so wise in our own eyes. Mm. And remember we had talked about the fishbowl and some of us harbor, like we swim in our own fishbowl and we won't let people into our fishbowl. That's a way that we protect ourselves. And we think we're being smart and we think we're being wise by not letting people in so that we don't have to deal with the hurt and the pain later. But the reality is, is hurt and pain is going to happen whether you do or you don't. Well, yeah. I mean, you may think that you're not hurting by not having any friends, but you are. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Even if it's not obvious. Absolutely. So everything that we have discussed comes into play here. And it's identifying who is in our village, what our expectations are of ourselves and of other people, you know, where we're investing our greatest commodity, which is our time. Once time is spent, you can't get time back. And when are we putting our boundaries into practice? Have you heard of a really great book by Dr. Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I mm-hmm. think most of us have. Yep. It is a fabulous book. And he talks about in this book, if you've not read it, I really encourage you to read it. And you know what? Let me add this too. And to, to know that about your kids, to figure out what their love languages are, because it's really important. You know what I realized? You know, you could be trying to love your kids the way that you want love and they may not be reacting the way that you would like. And it's because you may realize that that's not the way that they want to be loved. Right. You know, and so I think that, you know, this is off the topic a little bit, but it just made me think of that because people may not think about it in their kids point of view. But I do think it's really important because have you seen that too with your girls and they're probably not the same. They are not the same. Yeah. They are not the same. And the five love languages is a game changer in my marriage a number of years ago. And it was understanding that my husband has different ways of giving and receiving love that I do. Mm -hmm. You know, for those of us who are listening, who've read the book, they're like, yes, I'm totally on board and I get it. Yeah. And for some of you, it's going to be a mind-blowing ex- like shift. experience, yeah. a shift for you. Yep. And I'm hoping that's going to happen by the end of this episode. Yeah. So he talks about the five love languages, which are quality time, physical touch, which let me tell you is not necessarily sexual. Right. Physical. It's like, you know, rubbing their back and like putting your hand on their leg. Very much so. Yeah. Huggy people. Yeah. Have you ever met a friend who it's like the first time you meet them and they're hugging you? It's huggy <laughs> people. probably their love language. And probably. <laughs> Words of affirmation. Gifts. Which isn't what you think it is. And acts of service. Okay. Do you want to touch base on the gifts? Especially because that's one of yours, right? Yes. Okay. Gifts is, is one of mine and acts of service. It's my top. Everybody has all five. Yeah. We need to identify that. You have all five. Yeah. 
There are going to be some that come out stronger than others. And the whole point of the book is recognizing which ones are the strong ones for you that are the strengths and which ones are the weaknesses in the way that you give and receive love. Gifts is not getting of stuff. And a lot of people see my gifts as one of mine, but it's not for my husband. So he struggled with it for a long time because he just thought I was materialistic and I just like getting things. But I have a very, very deep love of coffee. If you were to bring me a coffee, that would make my day. Okay. One, because I love coffee. It's a very simple gesture and it's an act of service. But two... It actually showed me, and it shows me and and really speaks to my heart, that not only were you thinking about me, but you were thinking about something that's important to me and something that I love. And you put those things together and reached out, right? That was a sacrificial act of love. And so that's what gift says. And so if you're wondering if that's something for you, yeah. it's really important to recognize it's if you just love getting stuff, it may not be yeah. your number one love language, right. but it's the thought that goes behind it. So fabulous that you were talking on the five love languages with children, yeah. because that that's a big one. Mm-hmm. So when it came to raising my girls, I really needed to recognize what their love languages were. And I noticed for a series of time, the people that God kept bringing into my life and the women and relationships and friendships in particular that were coming into my life and being a part of my intimate village were all women who had quality time as their number one love language. Quality time is not my number one love language. It's actually at the bottom of the list for me. But that doesn't mean that I don't need it. And that doesn't mean that it's not important to me. It just means that my I have healthy expectations of myself. And I know that I can't invest large quantities of time all the time in those relationships. But I don't think that they're unhealthy relationships just because I can't see you every day. That... That for me, it's not a compromise. Yeah. It's just reality. Yeah. And, it, and quality time as a grown woman who's married with kids is not going to look the same. Right. Like we said before, when you're younger and you have more time to hang out. Yes. That could have been maybe every day that you're hanging out together. Absolutely. Now this may be once a weekend or it may be once a month. You know, it just really depends. It does depend. And that's knowing Mm -hmm. your boundary. And that could even be if, so quality time is mine, but I'm realistic of my time. Also, I'm an introvert. So uh, quality time is my love language. Yet, if I am with people too long and I don't have enough time to myself, it's like I'm not being recharged. So then it's like, I'm not going to have anything to give. Right. Yet quality time is uh, important to me. So you have to know that all, you know, so it's kind of like, well, quality time is important, but I also have to know that I need to recharge or I'm not going to be able to give you anything. And because I'm not an extrovert, I'm not gaining all this energy by hanging out with everyone. So it's like all these things that you have to realize about yourself. And then you have to also realize about other people that, you know, they have lives. So even if, even if they have quality time as theirs too, and so do you, it still may look different just because of the life uh, face that you're in. Absolutely. You know, I have a friend who quality time is her number one. She's got four, you know, adolescent age children at home. So 
quality time for her is I really want to spend time with you. And she'll send me like three dates and they could be three weeks away. And once you set that date with her, it, it means something and that you have to understand the expectation. I've given you three weeks. That time is for you and me. That's an expectation. Mm-hmm. So don't be sick. So don't <laughs> be sick kidding. Day. Hopefully your kid's not throwing up that I know, day. Right? It's, it's always those things. They're like, let's just make sure the stars align. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's taken years of learning how she works and for her to learn how I work. And so if I can't answer her back and give her one of those dates, I know that it's going to affect her and it's going to hurt her. And I should be able to do that, you know, three weeks from now. Decide we can get together for coffee for two hours on this particular day. So it's it's dialogue, right? But it's, will you give her a different date back and say absolutely? Yeah, and she understands that. Sure. So again, it's it's but it takes time to understand how you work and how they work. So what was interesting about that is I started to pick up on it and realize that all these women coming into my life that I was having intimate relationship with had quality time as a number one love language, but it wasn't mine. You actually start to recognize your children's love languages around the age of five and six. They come out very clear. Let's just be honest. When they're little, they want all five all the time. They want all of you and everything. But then you start to see them emerge in their personality a little bit. And with the emerging personality comes out the way that they give and receive love. My eldest daughter has quality time as her number one love language. My husband and I value quality time, but it's at the bottom of his list too. And all of a sudden we had this firstborn child and it was, it's the type of quality time where it's like, you can never give oh, enough. Yeah. Yeah. The that's, boundary, how, that's how my oldest is here. Right. Yeah. The boundary mm-hmm. just doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. You could just do something and then she'll be like, wait, are we going to do this? I'm like, we just did all this stuff with you. <laughs> right. Yeah. And now mommy has to do this. The other stuff, since I was doing that stuff with you. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it, there's a reminder. I have to remind her all the time that there are four people in this family and one mom. Right. And so, you know, I, but I didn't understand that. And so I really struggled thinking that I was failing as a mom by not giving her what she needed. And so who do you think I went to, to talk to about quality all your, time? All your friends with quality, quality time. time. As, yeah. As their lovely and, so, and it was really opening up my eyes that I was like, huh, I didn't pick these people randomly. Mm-hmm. A lot of these friends were picked for me. To help you be a better mom. To help me be a better mom. Yeah. Because we have to recognize there was this really great quote, and I, and I don't know who said it, but the greatest thing we made accomplish in our lives may not be what we do, but who we raise. Mm, Wow. Right. And especially as moms, we're one person. And for some of us, we're raising a lot of people. They're going to grow up and be members of society. And they have to learn how to have healthy boundaries and know their expectations and be able to cultivate a village of their own. So they're watching us. And we had told our daughter Quality time is your love language. I was able to convey that to her because I had gone to the people three steps ahead of me and said, how do I do this? And then when she feels that her needs are not being met, she'll come back to me and be like, mom, quality time is my love language and you're not giving me love right now. That's so funny. Right. She's a wise, (laughs) a wise child. Yeah. So I think that's a really important aspect for us for understanding what our motivation is. Yeah. So are you motivated to cultivate the village to feed the need because you're desperate for love right. 
and you don't understand the way that you love? Or are you wanting to cultivate the village around you because you understand that it's something that's built inside of you? It's a given. Everybody needs it. Have you ever thought that when you're at the park playing with your kids and that mom that's sitting on the bench across from you who may be scrolling on her cell phone or answering a text message or just staring blankly at her kid who's going down the slide for the 10th time would love for you to actually pick yourself up from that park bench and walk over to her park bench and sit down and chat with her. But she just doesn't know how. Are you willing? Are you the woman on the park bench thinking, well, my kids look just like her kids and she looks just like me and maybe we could chat and that could be 20 minutes of time where I've made a connection with someone. What's our motivation in wanting to do that? I'm all about talking to moms on random park benches. And I probably look like that person who's a little weird or sometimes a little stalkerish. But you know what? It's happened so many times that I've sat down on a random park bench and some mom at a park has opened up to me and told me about what she's going through in her life and what struggles she's going through that I've learned that it's a very, very valuable skill. And putting yourself out there and making yourself vulnerable is not spilling all your secrets. It's giving the gift of freedom Mm -hmm. just to be yourself and allowing another woman to be vulnerable back with you. That's my motivation is to offer freedom. My motivation is to feel free within my own village. It's to own my freedom. It's to walk in a healthy relationship It's to know that I'm not alone in what I'm doing, that I'm going to have struggles just like everybody else. And I'm sure you, you understand that too. Like you've got your, your own stuff and your stuff doesn't look like my stuff, but there's got to be a mutual understanding. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's got to be the motivation of our heart and it's to love others. The greatest commandment, second greatest commandment other than love our God was to love our neighbors and love others as ourselves. If you want to cultivate an intimate village around you, you're going to love other people the way that you want to be loved. And you're going to recognize that you need to love them the way that they need to be loved. Exactly. And I think, too, um, if you've ever if people are familiar with it, I would ask um, someone if they know what their love languages are. And if they haven't read the book, I would highly recommend it so that then you can identify it. And so that you can help love them the way that they really feel loved. And so I would encourage everyone, if you um, don't know your love language and your close friends, if they don't know it, to read the book and find out so that you can really, you know, um, specialize towards what they really need so that when you walk away, they are like, wow, I really feel loved from so-and-so. Absolutely. Uh, Author Shannon Alder, she had this really great quote and and I really want to leave you with this, Amber, that she put it so well. The only real conflict you will ever have in your life won't be with others, but with yourself. Mm. We are the most critical of ourselves. Yes. We are our biggest roadblocks. And we stop ourselves from reaching out all the time. And we just can't do that because yeah. we're only uh, denying ourselves mm-hmm. the greatest gift we could ever know, yeah. which is accepting and living a life of being loved. Yeah. I love it. 
Well, thanks for ending on that. And thank you so much again for coming on the show. And you guys make sure to join in next week for our last part, which is part six. It's the how to cultivating your village. See you next week. And there you have it. And hey, you guys, if you want to be notified with new episodes or new series coming in the future, make sure you go to mominspiredshow.com and subscribe to the email list by just putting your name and your email. And that way you will be notified of all those great things. So thank you as always for listening to the Mom Inspired Show and I will see you next week.